Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everybody it's time for a one-hour therapy session known as the sunday smash alongside the managing editor of warchant.com irish Fell. my name is tom lang we welcome you to sunday smash where we're talking about a four and three football team a football team in florida state that lost last night 34 to 28 on the one hand you could say that that score is not indicative of the way it played out in the second half on the other hand you could say outside of a terrible situation before halftime and after halftime that seems about right you choose your own adventure, everybody, and we're going to take that adventure together. Ira, how's it going this evening? And uh, go ahead, man. Fire away with your opening thoughts as we've had a day now to kind of just uh, take in what, what happened last night. I'm good, man. Yeah, it's just such a weird game, and it didn't really play out the way I expected. You know, I didn't think that they would be able to run the football the way they did, um, and they did. I thought the offensive line played really well in stretch, especially run blocking. I thought – uh, the backs ran hard. I mean, Lawrence Tofili, if you think about where he a year ago to where he is now, man, that guy has a, become a really nice weapon uh, at running back. Um, Trey Benson ran hard. Um, you know, Jordan came up with some big runs when he had to have it. So that all was like very surprising to me and, and, and a good sign for this football team. On the flip side, I never expected the defense to, to have as many busts um, and to not – just not play as competitively as I would have thought. You know, I, Clemson's offense is not here, – here's what's weird about Clemson's offense, and it bared out in that game. When you look at them throughout the course of the season, you know, their total offensive numbers have not been very good. But situationally, they've been very good. They're great in the red zone. Um, they're great at scoring, but they're not great at just moving the ball up and down the field. So I really felt like, you know, if Florida State's defense – if Florida State's offense didn't have any costly pe- turnovers – uh, where you gave them a short field, I thought, and if you had to make them drive 70, 80 yards, I like Florida State's defensive chances. But their first two touchdowns were 70-plus yards, um, you know, and converted some tough third downs. And and then, you know, they score on busts, um, you know, wide-open touchdowns. I mean, I, I still don't think DJ nope, – I mean, look, he did – they do a great job. I think they do a great job of, of um, not asking him to do too much. Um, he's not making a lot of contested throws. He's not a guy that – um, is and so they're not asking him to do that, but Florida State kind of gave him a couple easy, easy throws, and that's yep. you know to me that's that's what really put you behind the eight ball when that catastrophe happened at the end of the half. So situationally, I thought Florida State has not been a very good team for most of the season, and it's kind of come back to haunt them. And Clemson's a very good situational team, and uh, so I I just think it's a it's a weird game, and that it it. it some things played out the way you might have expected, but some things didn't. Oh, I totally agree about the running game. You're averaging about six yards a carry, and it wasn't all because of three explosive plays and then a bunch of ones and twos. I mean, there was a lot right. of consistent gashing. I mean, I'll use that term, gashing. Clemson doesn't give up runs like that. I mean, to anybody the last few years as a program. So that's the impressive part. But you're right, Ira, that this is a it's a complicated game to to break down because I think the blunder of the second half of NC State clouds everything, at least from the fan base's perspective. Right. There's a sour taste in everybody's mouth about the way that that game finished. And so you're carrying over anger or frustration into the Clemson game. So anything that goes wrong is is just kind of magnified or, or increased exponentially. 
And that's that's clouding some of the discussion as Joel Davis already is. Uh, made his appearance in the chat. Thank you, Joel. It was a pleasure to see you yesterday at Hotel Indigo. Yeah. Uh, our teams have always quit in those situations the past few years. Love the heart of this team. Things are turning around. Great seeing you guys. Great to see you as well, Joel. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Now, the one thing I'll say is I, I too am tired of, of saying this team doesn't quit. That's right. that's now their identity. They're poor in situations uh, a lot of times, Ira, and, and that's fair. But I don't think that replaces or... or uh, takes precedent over the argument that Florida State in 2022 is far better than it was in 2021, which that team was far better than it was the year prior. There is there is improvement here, and you can see it, and it's tangible, but they're not paying it off for themselves. It, in some ways, Ira, they're doing the hard work, and then when there's a chance to take advantage of all the hard work they're doing and all the adversity they're overcoming, they come up with a crazy problem. Crazy. Well, yeah, and I, I kind of wonder if it's more like – you say it's the hard work – I it is, but it's almost. It's also like the fine tuning is the problem that they're where they're struggling. Like they're 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 getting uh, all the materials in place for the house, but maybe the the details are not getting done right. And that's what you know. You look at some of the situations in that game where you know it's it's uh, you know you get to midfield after they kick the field goal. So you want I know Mike Norvell wants to score before halftime because he knows they're going to get the ball to start the second half. So you give up those three points. You, you, you want to answer. You get the nice run by Tofield. You get out to midfield. And on first down, there's a miscommunication or something on the on the line, the tight end, and you, you that blows up the play. Now it's second and 12. And this is a decision I think if I'm Mike Norvell, I'd want to have back. I don't think you could drop Jordan back for a traditional passing play in that situation. It's second and 12. They're going to pin their ears back. You don't – to me, it's more important that Clemson not score – then you do score in that situation because you you just can't have a strip sack there. It's, it reminded me of kind of like late in the Miami game and when when DeAndre Francois fumbled um, on a strip sack. It's like that was the one thing you couldn't have happen. And I felt like that in that situation, it wasn't like Clemson again. Clemson's not an offense where you've got to just be able to run up and down the field against them. Okay, they're up three, and if they get the ball to start in the second half, maybe they go up ten, but maybe they only go up six. You know, dropping him back there and risking the opportunity with that pass rush to give a strip sack, I think that was a, a costly mistake. So some of this is on players, and I think some of it's on, you know, the coaches as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, all of, all of the above have to grow and get better. Yeah. Um, you know, the ranks have to be more talented and deep here in Tallahassee, and that's part of the thing where, you know, if you're in a position to win on the road against a top 15 team like NC State, go ahead and do that because then recruits are more apt to saying yes to you or transfers are more apt to say yes to you as a program. And you could, you know, those are the fruits of your labor. But then on the field for the players themselves, you know, you've done the hard work against NC State to get in position to be open on a third down, catch the ball. Or you've done the hard work to get into the red zone, pay it off with a touchdown. Or in a two-minute offense, you've done the hard work to get to midfield. It's only a three-point game. You could take the lead going into half if you continue to do what you've done for the better part of two quarters. That's executing those moments. The other play to me, Ira, that was killer last night was the fourth and two, the throw over the top to Johnny Wilson. I looked at it today on the uh, AT&T Skycast they had on ESPN. There's some free love for those two brands. But, you know, there's a little release uh, to the Lawrence, left. Lawrence Tofili's wide, wide open. I thought so in the live speed, but I wanted to see that view as well today. And, yeah, that it's going to work. You're going to move the chains in that moment. These are – you don't have that kind of wide berth and margin. If you don't execute in these moments as talent efficient as Florida State is in a situation specifically against Clemson, you're not going to win the football game, and that's the hard part. It's right. all part of the growing process, though. Like I, I think for some segment of the fan base and maybe the message board community too, it's almost like 4-0 redefined the expectations and set the bar higher than 100%. what preseason expectations were. And so I think for a lot of the fan base, what you've got to do is, is examine. Ask yourself two questions. Number one, did I redefine the expectations? Uh, because if you didn't, then the question is, why are you so mad right now? Because they're on pace to, to achieve the goals that you wanted them to achieve. It's just, it's a complex situation and three losses in a row sucks no matter how you slice it. Well, I, I chuck a bottle cap on the ground too, but <laughs> <laughs> but this is where we are. This, and this, cheers is, where, this is where we are. Um, <laughs> on the fourth and two, like to me, and it's, look, it's we get, there's a million plays during a season. So you don't want to say, okay, well, that was just this huge play. 
but it was a big play. And it also, to me, was indicative of, of kind of some of the mistakes this team makes mm-hmm. in terms of situational awareness. You know, yeah. it's fourth and two. You don't need the throw over the middle to Johnny. You, 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 you just need the two yard. You got to get the first down. You've got to move the chains. And if right. you look at Clemson, when they were in those situations, for the most part, they got the four yards when they needed three yards. They got the six yards when they needed four yards. And that's where Florida State's kind of struggling. And, and we've seen it in other situations. You know, again, late in the NC State game, you didn't have to have a touchdown there. Um, you, you just want to, you know, get closer. Um, and, and this isn't all on Jordan. It's this, this whole team. You have, uh, you know, defensively, when you, after, uh, you know, they get the long kickoff return, then, like, you just can't give up a touchdown in one play. Or right before halftime, the fumble, you yep. give up a, a you know a thirty yard run on the first thirty forty yard run on the first play. A, you know a linebacker just gets in the wrong gap. Those situations, like in in a game with 70, 70, 70 defensive snaps, like they're all important. But man, some situations are more important. And yep. Florida State is not playing well in those huge situations. And maybe that is, you know, maybe again, like you said, this is they've they've put some of the pieces in place, but this has not become a team that's playing smart yet in key situations. Yeah, and again, I think that's part of the hard part to me last night was running on Clemson. Who who saw that coming? I thought it would have to be perimeter passes galore. And, you know, that's what it ended up being when Florida State got down uh, by a ton of points in the second half. But for the balance of the first half, you were running the ball effectively on Clemson. They had to play you honest, which is right where you want them to be. The only thing you can't do, and that's what I feel like a lot of this season has been so far, is the only thing you can't do, dot, 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 and then you see something <laughs> that it. can't happen. And some of that's on the players rat-trapping, and some of that is on the coaches. And that's all fair to point to those criticisms. I just think that if if you told me, I know if you told me in August, August 15th, that this guy would be missing and that guy would be missing and, and this guy would be out for a half, and you point to all these players on Florida State's roster being in and out of the lineup, with the lack of depth that I had perceived, four and three I would take, but that doesn't excuse away the fact that even with all of that adversity, you don't close out a game on the road like NC State. You can see I'm coming back to that one. No, that, you you that, are, in, 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 and you hit it resonated with the chat, and I agree with you 100. And I, you know, and I, I kind of wrote something along those lines last week in my three two one about the problem with losing both of those two games, Wake and NC State, was. The odds are you're not going to beat Clemson, and if you don't beat Clemson, now you have a three-game losing streak, and it's and it's and it's three games you are in, but one or two of them you probably should have won. And the NC State game is is obviously the most glaring of those two. Um, so that was a squandered opportunity, and that's again that's kind of where this team is right now. Like they're, and I think what it what also makes it frustrating if you're a fan is you're you see plays executed well you see they can do it you know like a year ago when they went up to Clemson and they literally couldn't run plays like they could not run the football they couldn't get time to make pat to throw the football and if they did they didn't have receivers to go make the plays then you see this team with okay they're running the football and Jordan Travis is making some plays and the receivers are making plays why can't it happen consistently that and, and even against a good defense, that's frustrating. When you when you're when you show you can do it and then can't do it all the time, I think sometimes that's even more frustrating, uh, you know, for fans. Yeah, because it's yeah, you'd rather in, in a way, if you're going to lose, just make it quick, make it a clean a clean one, <laughs> rather than this agonizing period of time that, you know, again the first half. It's I just felt so good about everything that had happened in the first half, even as they hold Clemson to a field goal, seventeen fourteen, and they have the ball with a chance to go score and take the lead. That it felt like. I don't want to say Florida State was in control of the game. That's too much. But it felt like it was a fair fight. And here you go. Here's a chance to show growth. And then those four minutes, you know, I know they put the graphic on the ESPN broadcast about the eight or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah. But it's really the two minutes before it the was, and the first was, minutes after. Yeah, it was about it was about two and a half minutes of game time. Yeah, it was. And, and D-Rob and I talked about that in, in the second half of the game. It was just this could not have gone worse. Uh, you know, I said to Dominic, I didn't want to have to ask big picture questions in the early third quarter, but these are on deck unless Florida State picks itself off, uh, up off right. the mat. But they did it again. And so it's just I, I've got a hard time with some of the takes I'm seeing today about it's almost like Florida State back in your hole. You're not ready for prime time. They're a lot closer to prime time than they have been in a long time. Yeah. And so I, I think that you can't have one without the other. Both things are kind of true here as we hit the bye week. 
And one thing that uh, was said last night in, in our War Chant Watch Long broadcast that I really thought was insightful was that's all true for now, but you've got to do well in these final five games. Oh, 100%. This to all be kind of okay. Because if you go two and three in that stretch and you finish the season at six and six, then the conversations that some are having right now are completely valid. But we've got an incomplete picture of this season, and I like what I'm seeing so far. It's just this next five-game stretch is going to be huge, Ira. Yeah, and I thought, you know, again, I brought it up last night, but Derek McClendon's comments I thought were completely on point, and I'm sure it's, you know, it's things he's hearing from the coaching staff, but they cannot let what happened in these last three games affect those next five games mm -hmm. because if they if they play hard and sharp in those last five games, they could win them all and yep. go nine and three, or they could win four of the five and win eight and four. I don't think they're going to finish much less than that. And so then you'd feel like, okay, you, and again, you, you might have wins over your, both your rivals, Florida and Miami. You might have one of those wins on the road. Those are very possible wins right now. Uh, if not likely wins right now, if you play well and that erases all of this nonsense. So yeah, yeah it's just a weird way the season turned out where you get off to this hot start, then you have this slide, but if you finish strong, it could kind of negate all that. I did want to ask you your thoughts on a couple of the big decisions. Cause again, like everything gets magnified when you lose, mm -hmm. you know, the four, we talked about the fourth and two and, and mm -hmm. Jordan doesn't make the right decision there. What'd you think about the decision to, to not go for the field goal there? And then also the fake punt. Uh, Ooh. Uh, yeah, that was a sting right before I'll answer the former part. Uh, that's at the 31 yard line. I want to say it is. Yeah. It would have been a 48, 49 yard field goal. Yeah. yeah I, I go for that all day. And, yeah. and I, I think he might even with a good kicker, especially uh, if you think that's what I'm saying. Like everybody went immediately to, he doesn't have faith in his kicker. I don't yeah. know if that's just it. It's it's he, I think he felt like he had a good call and he did have a good call. Yeah. And it should have been an easy. easy I, I think he thought that you're going to throw it to the flare on the left and not the corner right. over the top. Um, I'm sure I, I, they didn't cut to Mike from what I saw in the broadcast right afterwards, but I'm sure he was going really, Oh, okay. Um, Gene about wanted to puke last night in the post game show. When I said, I think he'd do it anyway. Uh, even with a good kicker. And now, if you had their kicker, maybe, yeah, but if you just had a decent kicker, yeah. I don't know, man, I, I might go for it there. I, I think that's in his nature in that kind of nebulous right. territory. And, you know, from the 35 to the 30, it's probably go time. Now the fake punt, I didn't like from the word go. That is a desperate situation that begs for a fake punt. There's no way that Clemson is coming after Florida State in that situation. They're going to be in whatever safe they want to call. And you can tell that pre-snap. I mean, it's like Correct. if I'm no, I, somebody in the box may have thought about calling timeout there because yep, it there was it wasn't. I mean, it didn't look like it was an inviting situation. <laughs> no, uh, you're you're correct, and um, I know they've repped some of that stuff in practice, and I didn't even think it looked that great in practice personally. But you know why? Uh, there's a desperate situation in a place called Pasadena, California, about eight years ago now. And everybody knew that the fake punt was coming. Right. But Carlos Williams had the ball. And Carlos Williams is a really fast human being, still to this day, but more so then. And so even though Auburn knew that something was probably up, given the score in the situation, mm -hmm. Florida State just had a better athlete. Carlos Williams was not snapped the ball last night. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Williams is not walking through that door. No, he, he's not. He's not the up man on that punt. Leroy uh, Butler's not walking through that door. No, and then they ran a, a montage of the punt ruski after, and I'm just thinking, wow, way to spit on Bobby Dunn's <laughs> legacy by running that film after a punt. Big punt. I just didn't like the call in that situation. I'd rather you run an offensive play. If right. if you think it's critical to move the chains, in my mind, I think you just run a traditional offensive play in that moment. I still think you kick the ball away and see what happens, but um, I didn't like it. How about you? What did you think? No, I did not like it at all. It was yeah, and I get I get the mindset. I mean, I understand he's trying to create a spark, but it screams a little panicky, yeah. um, especially when you. It's not like you saw something you could take advantage of, or I don't know, or you just have this this wonderful play, but a direct snap from five yards out to Wyatt Rector in the you know and. If you go back and watch it, the thing where the, um, you know, there's a couple of defenders on the left side for Clemson point um, over to the back, to the up backs. I, I went back and watched it. I think they're pointing at the fact that both of the blocking backs were kind of like leaning forward. Like yeah. they were, it was almost like a tell. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, regardless, uh, no, I didn't love that decision. It, it wouldn't have, you know, it's not probably not going to matter. It's not like your defense was just getting tons of stops. Um, they ended up holding the field goal, which was, which was great. But um you know, I don't know that 
it, I don't know that it changed the complexion of the game, but it, you know, again, it is we're analyzing is we're we're putting together the picture of Mike Norvell and his decisions and moments. And that's what we all are you know focusing on right now. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, I just didn't like the call at all. The fourth and two, I was okay with again, even if you had a decent kicker, um, unless you had a great kicker, um, you know, I would I would have gone the other way. Um, but you know, again, I think everything's magnified because you lost, and and so people are forgetting about all the good things, which there were a ton of good things yeah. for you to be in that game. Um, and and I don't want to gloss over the the you know the they're still fighting at the end, um, because. I, I see your what you said exactly. I agree. At some point, that's not enough. That's the baseline. Yeah. Um, but also, it is something, you know. Yeah, it it is. Well, and and the way I'd say, or, or the person I look at is Jordan, uh, because we were all, and I think rightfully critical of some of the. Right. Uh, I hate the body language trope because that's a cliche that's I don't like in general. But it, it looked like they were not on the same page. Right. I think that's that's the more important thing. Is it looked like Mike was seeing one thing and then his quarterback is seeing another. And you never want that to happen with a play caller and a quarterback saying, what about this? What about that? That's not great. And so that led to, I think, dejection to some degree for Jordan on the sidelines at NC State. I didn't see that at all down the stretch last night. So right. uh, is it incremental progress? Is it uh, a, con- a parting gift like you get on a game show if you don't win it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's something to mark. Mark the time because there are five more of these things to go. And they'll face adversity again, and I feel like Jordan is in a better place mentally to handle that down the stretch. And look, you were down 20 points, and you had to had to uh, make a rally. You had a choice in that moment, just like the Wake Forest game at 28-7. What are you going to do? Are you going to cry over the fact that you're down a ton of scores, or are you going to get right back up and, and try and do something about it? That's good. That's good that this team has that in them. The hard part, Ira, is in this sequence of seven games for Florida State is even though they're flawed and we knew they were, and even though they're not a top 10 team, they came kind of close to being ranked in the top 10 over the over the course of this first seven games if a couple of bounces go their way against Wake, NC right. State, and Clemson. So they're closer to touching a goal that all of us would go, wow, than I thought before the season started. But now they're right back where I think preseason we all thought they would be. So it's just a hard place on a bye week to try and, and sort all those things out before we get to Georgia tech at home here in two weeks. What do you, what are your theories on why some of the untimely mistakes, you know, like a, a, you know, another one, and I'm not going to harp too much on Mike Pittman because I think he made a lot of really good plays. Um, but it was just weird. They let that ball bounce. Um, oh and oh. I mean, it was just, it was just a weird, the fact that he's been so good, it was just weird. And then, you know, the, the kickoff return for a touchdown you give up, or not for a touchdown, but a 70-yard kickoff return, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's no – I can't imagine there's any way that that's where Ryan was supposed to kick it. It ended up kind of near the hash as opposed to in the corner. The whole coverage unit's going to that corner, yeah. and that's usually where they kick it. But instead, it's kind of like near the hash. So it's not. It's probably not where it was supposed to be, and it's not very deep, so it's very returnable. It's right to their best player, Shipley. Mm-hmm. And then you have some weird – not great efforts uh, on the tackle. Um, So it's just like, it's like a a bunch of things went wrong, like, in a like a mushroom cloud um, to turn that, to turn into that play. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know when that stops. Like, when does that stop? When, when you have the, just those, those spurts of just terrible moments, because those are the difference in in these games. I think that's where um, an improvement in, in quality of player can help. Sometimes a dude just makes a play, and and right. I, I know that's oversimplified, and and maybe it takes away some of the ownership from the guys that are currently on the field. You can make a play; these guys are allowed to. Um, but I, I think that's where sometimes, like for example, if from Clemson's perspective, second and twelve, you get you have a guy undress Robert Scott and strip sack the ball. That's a play being made in that moment. Otherwise, Clemson fans are going to be pissed off that they might be down at the break if they don't have somebody go and stem the tide. Florida State had gone 93 yards earlier in the half for a touchdown drive off of a, a bad kickoff return and, and a hold a, a, on that return. And then Florida State was able to run for well over 100 yards in that half. They didn't give up, uh, on average, more than 70 a game. There was 60 and change a game on the ground. Yeah. But a player erases all of that. The next thing you know, another player makes a play in Will Shipley, and they score, and they're up 24-14 at the break. I mean, you know, it, it's just that's the kind of stuff where a player can erase all of those bad feelings and, and FSU doesn't have that right now. Khalil, I see 
uh, had contributed. Thank you, Khalil. And uh, to Director Ben, if you see good questions as well, you can star those and we can answer those in the final you know, 35, 40 minutes here that we have on Sunday Smash. Did y'all have a problem with how the game was called defensively? I don't personally, but I, th I think I was upset with the execution from certain guys on the blitzes. 180 pounds or not, Kevin Knowles is who he's speaking of. Make that tackle. What did you think of that call, uh, Sarah? I didn't – look, I mean, my thing is I did feel like they needed to try to do some things to, to get um, DJ moving around and, and just – Having to worry a little bit about the the you know the pressure um, because again with the Im injuries you have it up front you're not expecting to get a ton of pressure probably with your front four. Um, I didn't have a huge problem with them trying to take some shots with blitzes, but I don't know they were they were never under control. Like yeah. whether it was Knowles or whether it was Shaheen Brown, we love Sha I love Shaheen Brown, but he had a couple times where they just came in so out of control and against a big dude like that. That that's not that can't be the approach because you're not going to get enough of him to do anything. So even if you get back there, um, it's not going to do much. Um, I also thought, you know, part of it needs to be situational because there he's he there was very little chance of him being rattled. I don't think because the game situation never got into a place where yeah. he would feel a lot of pressure. Um, you know, again, we go back to one of the conversations Jeff and I had before when I came on your guys' pregame show was. I think back to the Tyler Van Dyke in the Miami game. Well, you, there was game pressure on him, and he's on the road, and you're coming after him. This was different. Like Clemson was never really on the ropes in this game. Now they could have been. I thought another key moment in this game to start to get off topic, but another key moment was you go down and score, you go up seven nothing, you force a punt, yep. and then Micah returns it to midfield. Yep. Those are the situations, man. You have a chance at home. Yep. Think there's got to be something in your playbook, Mike Norvell. There's got to be something that you know these guys can execute and you can make a couple of big plays. If you go 14 nothing there with that crowd, now it's a different situation. Now you got to see DJ throw the ball when he's not comfortable. But instead, they have a bust on first down. You know, I think it's tackle for loss and, you know, you're going backwards again and it, that, that kind of thing. But as far as defensively goes, I mean, I think I didn't have a major problem with how they called it, but I did. I just, was confused by some of the breakdowns defensively. You know, again, the the touchdown now is Zaria Thomas is a true freshman. Mm -hmm. Um, but you end up having a miscommunication with him and I guess maybe the linebacker. So yeah. So they end up with a tight end wide open in the flat for touchdown. The the play the the blitz with Knowles, it's not even the blitz that's I mean the blitz is probably not great because I I don't know that he's gonna do anything to DJ. I mean DJ is a big dude. Yeah. But Akeem, the way Akeem comes down crashing so hard on that the receiver, it's like he's got no doubt in his mind that that guy's going to run a hitch because of the blitz, and he's going to be able to, you know. It's but what if he doesn't? Like he was so out of control that all the guy had to do was just turn up field, and he had no prayer. That to me is a weird. Is that coaching? Or is that just a player losing his mind? That's the kind of stuff. There was there was some of that from an experienced secondary. I thought there were. A few too many breakdowns like that. If I'm not mistaken, Shaheen Brown was on the field shortly after that play. That's what I saw at live speed, and I think it was related to maybe one of the one of the conclusions a coach could draw from the play there, Ira. And, and maybe yeah. I don't know what was taught in practice this week, but all I know is I saw Jamie Robinson and Shaheen Brown at safety shortly after that breakdown for the touchdown. Uh, the one thing I'd say, just from the numbers standpoint, and again, the numbers don't tell the whole story. You've got to draw up a game plan based upon what you think puts you in a, a, you know, the most successful position. But when I did the breakdown for DJ on the site this week, it said basically two things. One, pressure him. He'll make mistakes. But two, don't blitz him because he doesn't make mistakes against the blitz. His numbers against the blitz were outstanding. So what does that leave you? Right. It only leaves you the option of generating pressure with your front four. Now, you know, Adam Fuller might say, that's great that he doesn't play well under pressure without a blitz, but I need to bring more guys in order to create pressure. So I'm stuck in a chicken and the egg situation. But I, I would have given a little bit more time personally to um, you know those guys on the edge to try and create something and make something happen rather than force the issue because I felt like the air was let out of the balloon a little bit with that shot play down the field. It just felt like that was way easier for Clemson to score right. than it was for FSU in that moment. You think, damn. Now they've got to build this another long drive against this defense, which Florida State actually ends up doing. But that's not the point. It just momentum wise, it feels like a little bit of the air is taken out of the balloon. And then the other thing I'd say about the blitzing in general, they don't seem to be in control a lot anyway. Ira, right. when these when these members of the secondary come downhill, 
Uh, Amari and Cooper, Renardo Green were both turned away easily in the first game of the season against LSU. Uh, sometimes the safety blitzes are coming from off the screen on television <laughs> when the ball is snapped. They're coming so far away and so slow developing. It's really yeah. weird, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a strange, it's a, that is, uh, and I've tried to ask him a little bit about it, but yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It's like, a weird. I, I know what a delay blitz is, but right. we don't live in the era of a four by three television anymore. We got 16 by nine widescreens. And if a dude's not in the shot at all at the snap of the ball, I mean, what, what do you expect is going to happen? So there's some trends there. I don't like, um, but uh, you got to do what you got to do. And, and Florida state did some novel things against LSU or wake forest. And they kind of worked against what the trends yeah. would say. So it's a tough one. I know Ben had another question uh, that he wanted to put up. Maybe that's what was underneath, uh, but go ahead, Ben. Was it a positive or negative thing for the recruits that were there? Um, what do you think, Ira? You were in the building. I wasn't. Yeah. And we, um, we already have some stories up on the website. Michael and Austin are out there. We're out there today talking to a bunch of recruits. So if you go to warchant.com, you can see updates on uh, several of the guys that were there and, um, and they all very positive about it. Um, I think, you know, they're the, the environment, the first half was great. Um, the, the action was great until everything kind of fell apart there in that little stretch. Um, and I think the fact that the team battled back, was was a big positive to a lot of the recruits. I don't know, you know, a lot of people are upset because the fans left and because the stadium was empty. And you know, people ask, "Oh, does that mean you're you're are the recruits going to be mad because the fans didn't really support the team?" I don't know, I man. I think most people understand that it's 2022 and it's not, you know, people they can go do stuff. It's not like, uh, <laughs> you know, they can go watch other late games. I mean, I, I yeah. wasn't that upset about the fans. Um, I think it might have been a bad look. Uh, people. Hey, headliners and elite headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Oh, we may have lost Ira for just a Concerns moment. Concerns about the recruits. Uh, Michael is going to have a story on him. He's basically shut things down. Keldrick Falk, a defensive end, their pop, top commitment so far, well, one of their top commitments so far, um, basically said he's shutting down his, his recruitment. Um, so they're, yeah, there's nothing. And there was a couple guys, Cedric Baxter, a five-star running back who was committed to Florida State when he was really young. Then now he's committed to Texas. He came and had nothing but good things to say about it. So I think it was good. It was definitely good for recruiting. Yeah, if you're a running back, it's a good game to watch Florida State. Uh, yeah. You know, you go up and down the field uh, on that group, that Clemson front that was vaunted. And I don't know that they're going to give up six yards of carry again the rest of the season. I just I don't think that's going to happen. Clinton uh, says, is Coach Norvell in trouble? I feel like he's building for the future. And even though it's been a tough three-week stretch, I'm okay with the season overall. Okay, so I, I agree with your latter sentiment, Clinton. Um, personally, I don't think we're there yet. Now, it, again, if you go two and three or worse in a stretch to finish the season, then I think, yeah, he'd be in trouble. But I don't envision that happening over the next five games. We'll see. Um, but, uh, Ira, your thoughts on uh, Coach Norvell and, I guess, a warm seat of any kind? Maybe that's what Clinton's getting at? Yeah, no, I don't think – unless they collapse. And if they collapse, then that, that's a different conversation. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting that. Like you said earlier – 
we we I think we know what this team is now, and I don't think they're going to fold. Yeah, agreed. I think this team is two things. Number one, it's capable of going toe-to-toe with top 15 teams, top 10 teams, top five teams in the country, play for play. They're capable of doing that for long stretches of, of a time in a game, more so than they have been as a program in a lot of years. Then they're also kind of shaky in some situations. And in fact, you should expect them to be shaky in some situations week in and week out until further notice. They are both of those things. That leads to frustration, but they're still on target for what we set out at least as a, as a fan base and as a media group, what we said the expectation should be improvement this season. They're on target for those. Let me ask you if it would have been different. Say you had lost the LSU game, mm-hmm. but you won the NC State game. Would people be a little calmer right now or no? Yes, yes 100% they would. Right. Uh, the three-in-a-row thing is killer, and and the manner in which you lost the NC State game is killer. I mean, it's it's very similar to 2012 when you're up, uh, what was that, 16 to nothing at the break? Right. At NC State. Yeah. At NC State, I mean, it just it has that feeling of this is all yours for the taking, and you're watching the plays happen, um, and it's just I think that again is going to color the discussion until further notice. Maybe if they come out of the break, handle Georgia Tech. I saw Khalil had had made a comment earlier tonight where he said how they come out against Georgia Tech is going to tell me what I need to know about this group. Let's say they handle Georgia Tech, a program that they've had all kinds of problems with, no matter how bad the Yellow Jackets are. And then they follow it up with a win against Miami. Maybe those conversations are quelled for a little bit. But right now, I just I think that's what we have to expect our over the next couple of weeks as we write and uh, produce content for the site is that people are are there's going to be a stick in their craw. Well, I think and Keith Clark's uh, comment in the chat was a good one. He'd be very surprised if they collapsed, especially with Lovett coming back and other players coming off injury. I think that's a great point. I mean, yeah. Fabian Lovett is the emotional leader of this team, even since he's been injured. Uh, these last five, six games, he's the guy when the team, before they go in the locker room, at the end of pregame warmups, they come together as a team. You know, in years past, it's, you know, different Marvin Wilson or different guys who are the guy that do, does the little pregame talk before they go in the locker room to get the coaches to talk. And that's Fabian Lovett. Even when he's been injured wearing a boot, he's been that guy for this team. Getting him back at practice, I think, could be a nice lift, and, and they need it. I mean, they're going to need it, especially these next couple of days this week. They are going to practice on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Then they're going to give some time off over the weekend and then start getting ready uh, for the Georgia Tech game. But uh, I think getting him back in the field, he's a, and he's a loud guy. I mean, you you, you yeah. see him, you know, Tom. Uh, um, to defensive players and offensive players, I think that, that could be a nice boost. And then there's other, some other guys as well, uh, I think, who might be getting healthy. Yeah, and, and I'll switch over to the offense just quickly here because you know, Jordan Travis, the way he came out this season, was on fire, and he put a lot of doubters uh, you know, to rest within two quarters against LSU. I know they didn't score more than seven points in the first half, but you just see the decisions he was making in that first Power 5 game, and you're going, whoa, this is different. This is a guy who's totally prepared for the challenge in front of him, and then he validates that with subsequent performances all the way through the first half of the Louisville game. Since then, it's been okay. It hasn't been world on fire. Uh, but that also could be clouded by the fact that you're playing three really good teams with good to very good defenses in sequence, one, two, and three. What do you think about Jordan and and where he is as a player right now? Do you think that there was a little bit of fool's gold in the first four games? Or do you think that maybe we're, we're, we're prejudiced by the last three opponents being much better than the rest of what they're going to see on the schedule uh, down the stretch? Yeah, you know, look, man, I still I thought going into this week, I thought the problems, part of the problems for him those last two weeks were things had gotten to such a high level. They had played so well in that first month, and I think he was affected a little bit by how well they were playing that when things didn't go well, I thought he started getting frustrated. You could see it with some of the interactions with Norvell and just the way he was playing, it seemed like he was not comfortable in those two games. This game, I thought he was much more in control. I thought he he um you know he didn't play perfectly. He missed some throws. We've talked about a couple of them as well. Um, but but I thought he was in control. He competed, he made some winning plays. I mean, some really winning plays. I mean, there's a play in the second half during the you know beginning of the comeback. I think it might have been their second touchdown drive, because then they start like they're inside their own 10-yard line. He almost gets sacked. That's like a 90-something yard drive. He almost gets sacked for a safety around the goal line. Yep makes an incredible play to get out of it, leaps between two guys, gets the first down, gets that drive going, makes some big plays. I thought the throw to Kentron Portier was phenomenal. 
I mean, neither, neither, both of those touchdown, touchdown, touchdown throws in the fourth quarter were scramble drill kind of plays, but those are the things he can give you. And he's giving you to those to you again. Like I thought the last couple of weeks, I felt like he was trying to play in the box of the offense and not being a playmaker. And when things weren't working, I thought he was getting frustrated. This I thought was the Jordan Travis. That's I, I, I was perfectly fine with Jordan Travis in that game. I thought he, he gave them a chance to win. Now it's just, again, just making some critical decisions in certain situations. Um, but I mean, you know, look, you know, he's still getting better as a quarterback. We'll see what he does after this year. But I mean, I think you think the things he's learned in the time he's been the starting quarterback, I think you can learn those things as well. Um, so I, overall, I thought he played well. I thought he played well. And I didn't see, most importantly, I didn't see some of the things that bothered me really those last couple of games. Yeah, the development that he's gone through between last season and this indicates that he can grow a lot in a short right. period of time. I agree with you there. You know, the things that I would poke in, and he's not a perfect player. So, first of all, it's not like you're judging him off of a Heisman worthy player. And he fits in well with this team because there's not a lot of perfect players on this team. Correct. Yeah, he is. He is the embodiment. Like, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. There's some moments you go, wow. And then there's some moments you go, what the hell is that? Uh, for example, off the wow, the first touchdown run. I mean, you make a guy look silly, and that is a world-class athlete on the other side of the ball for Clemson, but there's really nothing there. They do a good job. He, he makes the correct read to keep it, but now it's one-on-one, mano-a-mano, and he handles business there. The things I didn't like, the fourth and two, um, right. I don't blame him all the way on the strip sack. I mean, he doesn't have to always fumble the ball. I feel like it's a Christian Ponder kind of talking point. You don't always have to fumble the ball if there's a position to fumble the ball. Uh, but that's still you get somebody turned loose. I know you you say coaching in that situation. I, I, I put it on both of them. I think yeah. I wouldn't have put him in that situation. I also, if you're Jordan Travis, you have to know, man, you don't have a lot of time. And once right. he saw the pressure, it almost looked like he was trying to tuck it to run. I think he thought he gets kind of squeezed through there. And it's yep. like, man, in that situation, just go down. Just go down. Well, you don't yep. need to score there. And also, I'm conflicted on some of the times he turned his back to the play, and then there's a lineman on the other side. You like, you know that that's going to happen with Clemson. But then, if he doesn't have that kind of attitude, he won't make the play that you're talking about right. off the goal line. So you got to take the good with the bad there. The other thing that I think is indefensible and is really tough to swallow is Johnny Wilson has a sizable catch radius. It is yeah, a those, yeah, catch radius. Those were not good passes. And if they're either one is in position for Johnny to make the play, he he's going to catch the touchdown in that. You're moment. not. You're, if you're throwing those to Micah Pittman, maybe that's how you throw them. Right. But right. you're throwing to Johnny Wilson, you just throw them up high. They don't have right. to be that deep. Yeah, and I know I, those are bad throws. And the legacy of that drive is that you get a short field. Should have been yeah. shorter with Micah Pittman. I didn't really go into that, but oh my God, I about lost it on the on the end game because that's something that you know we all have our little things, Ira, that get under our skin about a football game. And and Corey and I share that one. The catch right. the ball thing. We have the shortest fuses in the world. Um, and you know, I, I turned it over to Dominic who pu- returned punts Yes, uh, at, this, at this level. I said, I'm going to shut up. You tell me. And he said, Oh, this is in- inexcusable. He said, you know, that the ball is coming out quickly and it should land at the 45 yard line, like they're at the 45 yard line. And that's exactly where the damn thing landed. So mm-hmm. it's not just fans or, or media members getting pissed. Somebody who actually did this at the collegiate level it, of Florida state said that's ridiculous. And it was yeah. crazy. Cause he's been so good. Like I'm saying, like, it's not a, you know, again, like you came to expect it with some of the guys they had back there last year. I, I would not expect it from Micah. Yeah, and he had made the good return earlier in the yes. game. And, you know, that's a, that's a killer. We're moving all over the place here in the situations. But that's what happens when you lose three games in a row. You just yeah. you pick little segments where you say, if you did this better, you might actually have been two and one in the stretch or at least one and two. That's what Florida State has to contend with from a psyche standpoint, Ira, over the next couple of weeks. You had a first glimpse of at least some of the players and, and Coach Norvell down there. Uh, they now do in-person interviews, which is great to get a sense of how the guys are doing. Uh, they've responded to worse than this. They were 0-4 last year and in a dogfight against Syracuse, and they didn't quit then. But how do you feel about their psyche now? They've got a little bit of time to, to think about what has just happened before they hit the field again. What do you think? Uh, look, man, I, I I would not expect them to, to – um be too adversely affected by that game in general, but the way they talked after the game, I was impressed by it. And I know, you know, and, and sometimes we'll talk about this. Like, what do the words mean when people, when you interview people after a game, like what, what they said, what does it really mean much? Does it not mean much? 
I thought the way they talked, and I and I felt the same way uh, last week uh, after the NC State game. I just feel like this is a team that takes responsibility for what they do poorly and w- and when they make mistakes, and that they are focused uh, completely on themselves and and not blaming everybody else and not blaming the coaches. I love the fact that Derek McClendon sat in that room and used the word execute 10 times. I don't think he was doing it just to make us feel good or make the coaches feel good. I think they feel like, man, you know, we just, we can't have some of the busts we had in that game. You can't, those are, that's not play calls. That's somebody not doing their job. So I think from all those, all those, all that evidence, plus the way they played in the fourth quarter, I think they'll come back. Now, the question is, um, you know, to me, it's 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 how they come out in that next game in terms of not getting on their – I guess my thing with that Georgia Tech game is Georgia Tech's probably going to be coming in after three straight wins. So they're as high as yeah. that program has been in years. I mean, and they've got an interim coaching staff, so they're all playing together. One, when you fire a coach early in the season, one of two things happens. Either everything falls apart or they rally around each other and rally around that interim coach. Well, that's what's happened. So now that's a different dynamic you didn't know you were going to get with Georgia Tech when they come in here. Then you throw in the whole Jeff Sims thing, the fact that he played it, he committed to Florida State. I'm sure he still has some some feelings uh, towards Norvell. So you're going to get a great shot from Georgia Tech. And I think it's important in that game to not – there's no doubt in my mind Florida State's a better team right now. Right. But it's not giving them the momentum and then creating a situation where now you're feeling like you've got pressure. So I think it's going to be really important that they come into that game with a really good mindset because I don't think it's a game – because of those factors, it's not a game where you can just muddle through it and then put them away whenever you want to. Like, they're going to need to be sharp early in that game, I think. Yeah, you know, for me, I look at the schedule and I say, it's a nice ramp up to have Georgia Tech before you play Miami off of the bye. Like, that's a nice sequence, but they can't think like that because you, right. you're absolutely right. Georgia Tech has, uh, I mean, they went on the road, they won a game at Pitt. I, I don't know how good Pitt is, but they're better than Georgia Tech. I know that much. And they, you know, they went there and, and they took it in the second half. They finished that game strong. And Sims can drive you nuts too. I mean, it's he's yeah. a guy who is extremely mobile, and you all know how how those situations go. It's third and seven. You can't get a guy to the ground. They get a first down. All right, does everybody start pointing at each other, or do you play the next play? They're going to be challenged in that way when they play Georgia Tech. A couple of housekeeping notes for everybody who has joined us in the last fifteen minutes of Sunday Smash. First of all, thank you for being here to the four hundred plus of you. Throw a thumbs up underneath this video. Hit the like button if you're on YouTube. We really do appreciate when you do that. It helps us find more FSU fans. And we're all in need of a good therapy session right now. And if you like little things that can help you along with therapy, ABC Fine Wine and Spirits has brought this program to you tonight. They're the sponsor of the program. If you're in the state of Florida, you know where your ABC is. Make sure to hit them up and be prepared for the bye week as we can all sit back for a week now and take in some other college football, take stock of what we've uh, all seen here through seven games and then get ready for what is going to be a ferocious final five games. If you haven't signed up for Warchant.com yet, head to Warchant right now. It's only 10 bucks to get you all set through August 31st of next year. This is a critical time in the Mike Norvell era, Ira, and we're going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks at Warchant. But we also have other stuff coming up as well. Um, it's almost basketball season, and I know that we got something about baseball as well coming up too. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, basketball, they've already been practicing. They're, they'll be Their season opens uh, the beginning of next month. Um, so I went over there, and I've got a story coming about um, Matthew Cleveland and, and some of the young, the guys that are coming back from last year's team. Um, and then also baseball, uh, they're actually going to have a scrimmage this week, and uh, we're going to interview Link Jarrett later this week. And I actually just interviewed the pitching coach, Chuck Rostano, who came to, from Notre Dame with him, and we'll have that on the site as well, plus a lot of recruiting stuff. Like we said, Michael um, and Austin were over there. They've got recruiting stuff coming, and we're going to have some midseason stuff. Even though FSU technically passed the midseason, it's yeah. seven and five. We're going to use this week as a good opportunity to do a lot of midseason reflecting on the kind of where this team is and, and and what they can do going forward. So with that, okay, let's do a little workshop on the fly, and then we can just uh, have the closed caption uh, do the uh, stenographer stuff for us. And we're halfway home on a couple of articles, Ira. Um, if you had to nominate somebody that you think is a truly pleasant surprise uh, through the first seven games of this season, is there somebody that immediately jumps to mind or, or are there a couple of guys? Uh, I mean, I guess going back to preseason or going back to like the spring or because, you know, we started to see some things in the, in the preseason. Yeah. Probably um, before fall camp. So, you know, before you before saw these camp. guys, yeah. How about that? Who, who has jumped out to you? Uh, I'll say Lawrence Tofield. He's a big one. I, I really could not have been more impressed by him the last couple of weeks. I think he's running. 
you're seeing him run between the tackles so much harder um, and making decisive cuts in some of the stretch plays that I hadn't seen before. Um, and so I mean, you knew he had speed in the open field, um, but he looks like, I mean, he's playing really, really well. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, I, I think Johnny Wilson, this last game, those couple of fades, notwithstanding it, which weren't really his fault anyway, that to me offensively, you know, I, I didn't know coming, coming into preseason camp that he would be as dominant as he is. Yeah. Um, I think go ahead. I was going to say, and then defensively, um, yeah, I don't know if anybody really defensively, I, I'm, I'll be honest, man. I, I, uh, I'm a little well, discouraged right now by the secondary. I, I thought the secondary would be better. I thought the safeties would be, I thought this would be maybe, and not to run down Jamie, certainly. Um, I think he's been fine, but you know, he's, I don't think he's making plays like an all American and, uh, and Akeem hasn't been as good as I expected. So, yeah, that that's a group I think that'll be very interesting in the second half of the year. And I, you know, again, I get that we threw seven of twelve, but what does the personnel look like coming off of the bye week? Who who are your two safeties? Uh, Shaheen Brown is at least worth consideration. That play he makes on, I think it was third down, where he gets off of a block and makes a tackle behind the line of uh, the line to gain, is a huge play uh, in a moment where the game is it's not decided yet. But that's the kind of thing that you want to see. Those are the plays that a guy like Shaheem Brown or, or Jamie Robinson or Akeem Dent has to make, not miss tackles left and right. So I wonder if moments like that will score him some more time at corner as well. Azaria Thomas got some run in this game. There was a coverage bust for a touchdown, but that's going to happen with a freshman. Does he get more time in the second half of the season? Some people had put in the chat, Patrick Payton and Joshua Farmer. I think right. for me at least, you, you had been talking to Payton for a while. Yeah. I was kind of believe it when I see it. Well, I believe it now. Patrick Payton yeah. is going to be a player for Florida State, and he was a pleasant surprise to me. Yeah, he, he is. He is going to be. And Khalil mentioned that um, Duke has been uh, a letdown. Yeah, the, those two other guys in the secondary, I mean, uh, Marion Cooper and Kevin Knowles, I thought we were going to be a lot better after their freshman years than what we've seen so far. Kevin, I think, was according to PFF, was credited with four missed tackles um, and that he had two tackles and four missed tackles. And then Marion, I mean, I looked up. And I, I'm, I'm, uh, we're assuming Duke Cooper's hurt. We're assuming there's something going on there physically, but on the season now, he's been targeted 17 times and has given up 15 completions. Uh, I mean, it's hard to even fathom because even on air, you either something's going to go wrong, guys going to drop balls, or quarterbacks going to be. So he just has not been effective at all. He was in, he didn't play a whole lot this past game, and he gave up a couple, uh, 19 yard pass. Um, so that's secondary, man. Like in uh, Renardo Green, R Renardo Green's probably been a positive surprise. I think he's been the best maybe of that group consistently. And then, uh, you know, Zaria Thomas has a lot of potential. Jarian Jones didn't have any problems. I didn't see any major problems from him um, yep. the, the other night. But that, that group, overall, that group I think has been pretty disappointing for me based on what I thought. I thought that secondary would be really good. What's interesting, yeah, it's a tough discussion to have because last year you have to laud the development in season of the defensive back group because they were awful for the first four, four and a half games of the season. And then they found their, you know, their sea legs and uh, a true freshman in Duke Cooper emerges out of nowhere and becomes a stud player for you. And the safety play from Akeem Denton, Jamie Robinson was outstanding in November. So the coaching staff, uh, you know, Fuller um, and position coaches alike, they get credit for development in season and, and what that says, but they've regressed unless they're all hurt. They've regressed this year. And that's, that's an alarming thing to watch for the second half. Maybe some young bodies can help them for a second consecutive year, but you would have thought that they would either be the same or get better year over year as a secondary. They've gotten worse. Right. And you know, and again, like last year they had Jermaine Johnson up front. So that probably affected, yeah. although this team, this team has generated pressure, you know, and you can look at the stats and say, this team has been good on pass defense coming into this week. I mean, they had a pretty good pass defense numbers, yeah. but, but I think it's largely because of the way they play. They're playing so soft yeah. that teams are getting opportunities. Um, they're not going to get beat deep. That's why they haven't given up a lot of long pass plays this season because they do play kind of softer coverage, keep things in front of them, but they're not making any plays. Like they're not, I just feel like they're not breaking enough, enough passes. They're not making enough uh, game changing plays. Like it's, if you're, if you're going to give up stuff underneath, you also have to make plays, and I, you're just not seeing it. Yeah, there's a lot of downhill to November last year, Ira. You know, whether it was hits over the middle of the field and being an enforcer, right. uh, or making plays on the ball and attacking the ball. I mean, when does this group really attack the ball all that often? 
uh, the best chance that they've had to come back, come away with an interception outside of the Jamie fourth down play, but that's kind of a broken play was greedy Vance. It was a greedy Vance play against Wake Forest. And, you know, it's bad that I that I only have one play that immediately comes to mind. There should be seven or eight over a three game span, and 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 that's certainly concerning. It didn't you know? I think Kevin had the one against LSU where he comes off his guy at the end to yep. make that play, but there just haven't been a lot of them. No, um, yeah, I agree. It's just when you could count them on your hand, that that's a problem because I felt like for the last five games last year, you had a lot of moments where you go, "Geez, look at these guys. They're intimidating. This this crew is this crew is intimidating. They'll get up and hit you, and that's just." Kind of not been the case this year. Uh, to circle back real quick to Lawrence Toafili, we had a question last night in the postgame show, and it, it it underscores exactly what you're talking about. We had a caller ask, why isn't Trey Benson running the ball in short yard situations? Because Toafili's more decisive. He may be smaller, but Lawrence is making a choice to be tough. And it's not just about running on third and short and picking up a first down or, or short yardage or goal line situations. But he also makes tough catches over the middle. He's done that a bunch this year, which is why that fourth and two really kind of irked me even more, is it's not a scat back that, that's being targeted or that, that's running that route to the flat. It's a dude who's proven that he'll make a catch through contact and fight and bounce forward and fall forward when you need an extra six inches to a couple of feet. He'll do that for you. Lawrence has been a bit of a revelation this year, Ira, because last year he was benched, simply put, for trying to bounce. And this year, he's not doing that. He understands what the situation calls for. I mean, I think you go back to that. I was thinking about during this game. I was thinking about the Jacksonville State game and yep. some of the runs he had in the second half of that game where it's like, man, you have to just get the three yards or get the four yards. You can't bounce everything. And uh, he's come a long, long way. And I also love, again, like watch his interviews. I mean, he's a guy that's passionate. Um, he's, you know, he's stronger now. I mean, I like him a lot. I think – Again, and, and Trey also, I do think he would, might have been limited injury-wise because they might have had him on a snap count because they also didn't have him returning kicks. And uh, you pointed out that, I guess, on the TV broadcast, uh, Coach Norvell will never talk about injuries with us, but apparently let them know that he <laughs> that he was a little banged up last week and uh, yeah. and uh, was a little bit limited. So I think that might have been part of it too. Yeah, uh, a minor correction, but, yeah, it was on the radio broadcast. The, uh, the Okay the local radio, but still, yeah, he did say that he was banged up earlier in the week. I said, Oh, so I could talk about that now. Like, <laughs> magic presto presto. Uh, and that's true. Uh, because the, the big tell I, I agree is that kick returns and what, what's kind of hurtful. And this is just a minor thing that I pick at. It's kind of hurtful. You know, will Shipley's the guy who returns the kick to start the second half. They've got a lot of dynamic players that can do that. Is really is Sam McCall really the most dynamic guy that they can have with the ball in his hands? It's no knock against Sam. He could be a wonderful player in the next couple of years, but I don't think it's a coincidence that when Benson gets a crack at it against Boston College, it's a house call. I, I just you look at that disparity of Clemson is putting their best player in a position and he makes a splash play. And McCall, in terms of proof of concept so far in his career, is maybe 20th. 25th in terms of skill position players for Florida State, that, that's a bit of a toughie. You wonder if that's an overall coaching thing where highly decorated freshmen, yeah. one of two highly de decorated freshman cornerbacks, one of them's getting on the field a lot of corner, the other one's not. Let's find a way to get him on the field. Man, I'm just guessing. I'm just, I don't know if that's the case or not, but maybe it's a, it's a standpoint just trying to keep him engaged and keep him involved. Final thoughts in just a moment, but once again, folks, the promo. We've got Wake Up War Chant coming up in the morning. Uh, you you shouldn't expect press conferences on a Monday from Florida State. They're not going to happen. It's bye week. We will have availability to go to football practice on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, so look for coverage from WarChant.com and WarChant TV from Tuesday and Wednesday. But we'll have things covered with Wake Up War Chant first thing in the morning, the Jeff Cameron Show 1 to 3, and then we've got seminal headlines in the JCS Tuesday and then Wednesday throughout the rest of the week. It's a big sequence now. Florida State has to get on the mend from a health standpoint and then get ready to go for a five-game stretch because now you let one slip away a couple weeks ago. You got to win four out of five of these things, at least in my mind. We'll see what happens. It looks like the chat tonight has been fairly measured compared to last night too. Uh, a lot of people who are saying they can see the improvement. I hope you guys can because uh, I certainly am seeing huge improvement. Ira, your final thoughts as we get set for what is going to be a a key off week for Florida state. Yeah. I mean, I just think that this is going to be there. There should be as, as much anticipation um, about these next five games as there was for this one game. Yeah. Um, I know it would have been great if you had beat Clemson and it would have been awesome. And it would have been a huge signature win, but man, these five games are much more important because 
you know, again, you've got your two rivals. You've got three other games that you have a very good chance of winning. Uh, Syracuse is having a dream season. If you can go up there and win that game, um, would be a, it would be a nice win on paper when you, you didn't expect that to be the case. So, man, I just think, you know, don't – I would – I don't think these players are going to back down now or, or, or fold. I think the fan base should stay engaged because these next five games could turn this into the season you were hoping it was going to be. Well, and it, they could define the program or the tenure of Mike Norvell one way or the other. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you come out here swinging and, and you show that what you're capable of for stretches of time in all of these games is what you actually are, then this could be a really fun end of the month of October and into November for Florida State. But they've got some work to do. So for all of that, and thank you to everybody who has commented in the chat. Uh, we want to thank Joel Davis uh, along with uh, Khalil. And let's see, who else should we thank? EMG, thank you for your question. Clinton, thank you for your contribution as well. And everybody else. And everybody else who advanced the discussion. Uh, that's why we're here, because you guys want to talk about it. He's Irish Ophel. My name is Tom Lang, and we'll see what happens, folks, over these next couple of weeks. Very important time for Florida State football, and we thank you for joining us on Sunday Smash to go through the therapy session. See, don't you feel better? We'll talk to you next time right here on WarChan TV. And once again, thanks to Director Ben behind the scenes. Good night, everybody.